Welcome to the Trinity Western Chapel podcast. As a vibrant part of life at TWU, Chapel creates opportunities for us to engage with God's story of redemption in Jesus Christ through His Word, prayer, and worship. We're glad you're listening and hope that you encounter God's heart for you and the world. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Good morning, Trinity Western. My name is Vanya Levins, and it's good to be back with you this morning uh, to finish off uh, your series in the book of James. Have you ever had the opportunity to save someone's life or had someone save yours? I think that many of us long for the opportunity to contribute in meaningful ways, to live our lives in ways that have impact or direct benefit to others. I would wager a guess that saving a life would rank pretty high on most of our list of meaningful things that we could do. If someone is alive and breathing because of something we've done, that's pretty significant, isn't it? I think that's why the final words of James chapter 5 are so compelling. It reads, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring them back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Wow. Whoever turns a sinner from their error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Who wouldn't want to save someone from death? Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing to do? And if you've experienced the love of, and the forgiveness of Jesus, wouldn't you want to help someone in a way that helped them experience this as well? This all sounds fantastic. If I can live and act in such a way that my actions contribute to people being saved from death and having their sins forgiven, then I would want to live like that. Wouldn't you? But how? These two verses we've just read in James could be the beginning of a paragraph or a letter that goes on to talk about what it looks like and what you do. But this is the end of the letter, the end of the book of James. We don't get any more from him on that topic. This is one of the many places in the Bible where sometimes I wish there was a bit more detail. Such instances, however, can be helpful in that they leave us asking questions and send us looking through the rest of the scripture to see how they speak to the topic at hand. Today we'll take a brief look at a couple of these passages, but before we do, I want to quickly highlight what these two verses might tell us about God and how uh, they could be used, um, how to be those who are used to turn people from sin and save them from death. First, 
The fact that James calls God's people to turn away from sin highlights God's desire for healed, restored relationships with his people. And so these last two verses in the book of James reveal to us a God who doesn't want anyone to wander away, who seeks to turn people from the path of death to the path of life. And this is a theme we see, theme we see over and over again in Scripture. But what if the placement of these two verses actually gives us a tremendous clue to where to look for the how of bringing people back to the truth? Often, words and phrases at the end of a letter may serve not only as a conclusion, but as a summary. What if everything that has been said in the book of James, what if all the exhortations that have been given from James 1 to 518, what if the result of all of that way of living is what God uses to turn people back to the truth? Watching one's tongue, being slow to speak and to get angry, taking care of the marginalized, such as widows and orphans, not using favoritism and discrimination, sharing one's goods with others, not amassing wealth by extortion, seeking wisdom, submitting to God with humility, living lives of prayer, faith, and thanksgiving where requests are brought to God. What if the fruit of doing these things is that you will end up being used by God to impact those who have wandered from the truth, saving them from death, and participating in, in them having their uh, sins covered over. What if that's one of the major thrusts of James' letter? To exhort the people of God to live in such a way that both unbelievers uh, and those who have wandered from the truth are drawn to Jesus. Certainly, there are places in the Bible where we see these characteristic, this characteristic of God who wants to draw those who've wandered away um, from him revealed to us and one of the very first places we see this characteristic is in the book of Genesis in the garden of Eden Adam and Eve have wandered away from the truth they sin against God and in chapter 3 what is the very first thing that God does he goes looking for them in the garden verse 8 tells us that he went looking for them in the cool of the day and that they heard him walking in the garden Certainly, there were consequences that were affected because of what they had done. But even there, at the very beginning, whilst they are being disciplined in verse 15 of chapter 3, we find a prophecy of Jesus when it talks about the offspring of the woman crushing the head of the serpent. Over 2,000 years later, we understand this crushing of the heel to have been done through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So, in the very same chapter that we hear about people wandering away from God for the very first time, we also get a glimpse of God's plan to make a way for all people who wander from him to get back to him if they so choose. God cares about restored relationships between himself and his people. God cares about drawing people back. It's no wonder that in Luke 15, Jesus shares not one but three parables to help people understand what God is like. God is a compassionate shepherd. And when one sheep out of a hundred gets lost, he leaves the 99 to go searching for that one sheep. And then when he finds the sheep, he calls neighbors and friends together to celebrate this finding of the lost sheep. 
God is depicted as a woman who has 10 silver coins and when she loses one, she searches the whole house and calls friends and neighbors to celebrate when she finds the one coin. God is a gracious and forgiving father. And when a son who has done everything wrong, insulted his father, shamed the family name, squandered his inheritance, when he finally makes the smallest move in the right direction and turns in the direction of home, God is the one waiting at the door, running with abandon, embracing his son, clothing him in clothes that restore his full status and throwing a party for him. God loves, God eagerly desires, God puts energy, effort, patience, determination into turning those who've wandered from him back to the truth so that they might not encounter death, but life in him. That's what God is like, eagerly searching, desiring for those who have wandered from him to be restored into good relationship through Christ. And the book of James tells us that as people of God, we are invited to participate in this beautiful work of drawing people back to God. And isn't it remarkable how the key to participate in drawing people from death into the way of life is simply to participate in this way of life? More than anything, one of the primary things the book of James does is it calls believers to wrestle with the practical outworkings of what living with Jesus looks like. Life with Jesus, true belief in Jesus changes everything because those who follow Jesus will not just listen to the word or read it, but they will do what it says. And those who do what it says will not only become more Christ-like in their character as they taste the abundant life that Jesus brings, but they will be used by God to call people away from death into life, to experience the joy of a multitude of sins being covered over. This is good news. In a world where there is fake news, scams, and corruptions, it is a tremendous gift to be invited into something that is authentic, honest, and true even when it takes time, energy, and sacrifice. And it does. There's nothing particularly easy about the exhortations found in James. It's much easier to be quick rather than slow to become angry. It's much easier to lose control and say things we regret rather than to exert self-control, to listen well, and to speak wisely. It takes time, emotional energy, and finances to look after widows and orphans. It takes effort, reflection, and courage to live without favoritism and discrimination. I could go on, but I've trust that, I trust that you've covered the various exhortations in James in greater detail as you've been journeying through this series, acknowledging that living the way that the book of James invites us to asks a lot of us, but it also fosters tremendous beauty and life. Can you imagine church communities and societies where the book of James is lived out in a, on a regular basis? Can you imagine what it would be like if Christians everywhere were slow to speak and to get angry? If they took care of the marginalized, if they didn't show discrimination or favoritism, 
if they paid people fairly, if the church was a place where sins were regularly confessed and forgiveness freely given, where people encountered not just emotional and relational healing, but physical healing as well. I would submit to you that if this were the norm for the people of God, then many who had wandered from the truth would be brought back into the loving arms of Jesus. I'm grateful that we can look around and see expressions of the book happening, or happening around us. Certainly, you can find places and communities with people who, on a continual basis, are opening up to themselves to God and seeking not just to listen to or read the word, but to do what it says. I imagine that's part of why you're watching this morning and that that is in some way true for you. But it's not always easy. We need God's help. This way of living is not something we can do in our own strength. And we're not expected to. A number of times in the book of James, we are invited to pray. And these invitations help to remind us that our dependence is on God. Everything is submitted to God. God is the one who will help us not to just listen to the word, but to do what it says. Let's pray and ask for God's help. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for being the one who cares for those who have wandered off. You don't dismiss them, but you go and find them. You seek to restore relationship, and you invite us into that reconciliation work with you. Thank you for inviting us into something so beautiful, holy, and good. We ask that as we continue through this year, you would empower us through your spirit to live what we believe. Grant us the grace not to just listen to your word, but to do what it says, to follow you, that we may participate with you in drawing those who have wandered from the truth to life in you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to worship together with you soon at our next broadcast online at livechapel.twu.ca every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 11 a.m. You can also stay connected with us by following at TWU Chapel and at TWU Student Ministries. Much love. Thank you.